This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Just would like to welcome everyone that's just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, and this is Body Matters, and we're with Alana Willy for you. And today I am going to chat about the strategies of the enemy and spiritual warfare. So today is a little bit different than normal, and usually I have someone in the studio, but I just felt this is something that I haven't spoken about for a while, and I just really feel like the enemy is just, you know, targeting a lot of us, and there's so many people just going off the path, and I just really felt this is something that I wanted to chat about. So I want to go straight in and just focus on um, John 10.10, where it says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came so that you may have life and life in abundance. So this would be the topic for today. I hope you all had a wonderful week. And um, yes, so please join me. I want to just chat about, you know, one of the questions is what ways in which the enemy wants to attack us. So there's many ways in which the enemy wants to attack us. So, you know, from the day we were born, the enemy has been out there to destroy us. You see, we as humans are already a threat to the enemy from the day we were conceived. He knows the calling, the gifts, the authority and the potential that we have in Christ. And I just want to read Corinthians 2.10, 3 to 5, which says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So you see, we our battle is not against humans. It's not against one another. There's a stronger force and a mighty force behind that because we live in a natural world. But behind that natural world or beyond the natural world is the supernatural world. And so our battle is greater than what we think. So I was just looking at the ways in which the enemy, you know, attacks us. You know, the first thing that the enemy will try and do, if you are not saved, for those who aren't saved, is to keep them from not being saved. And the only reason why the enemy would want to keep someone from not being saved is because once you are saved, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is so much more powerful because the scripture says he who is within us is greater than he who is in the world. I mean, when we think of the enemy, the enemy is the ruler of this earth. That's what the word says. But the minute we give our lives to Jesus and we accept the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have got a spirit inside of us that is greater than the enemy. So the enemy knows that we have authority because the Bible says we have authority over the enemy. So that is one of the reasons why the enemy will keep us from, from being saved. And the way he keeps us from being saved is deception. 
So deception keeps us powerless against the enemy. And another tactic of the enemy is to lie to us because the enemy, the devil is called the father of lies. You see, when you have don't have the Holy Spirit in you, when you're not saved, the spirit that lives within you is called the spirit of truth. And this spirit guides you into all truth. But when you don't have the spirit of truth, you are deceived. So let's look at John 8. Um, verse 44, which says, you belong to your, to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language. And for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this is referring to the enemy. So the biggest lie most Christians believe, which I believe that the enemy places in their heart, is either that there is no God or God is not good. And he only loves us conditionally. So the lie, this lie has caused so many of us or so many people to have such a false perception of God. You know, sometimes the way we um, perceive God, and I've done a lot of um, inner healing, and um, and one thing I've found is when our earthly fathers, when we have earthly fathers that aren't really good fathers or nurturing or loving, a lot of us grow up thinking that Father God um, we aligned Father God with our earthly fathers. So if he's not a good, if our fathers never really hugged us or never gave us attention, we perceive Father God in the same way. And sometimes it's so hard for us to think that Father God is a good God because we have been in a fallen world where there's not that many good people out there. And a lot of us have been hurt and a lot of us have been confused and um, sometimes the enemy just keeps us in that place. Um, so, for instance, when we get sick, many people say, well, God's punishing me. You know, maybe God is using sickness to draw um, me closer to him. And that is just such a false perception because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. So we need to distinguish between good and evil. God is good. This is what um, Bill Johnson once said, God is good, the enemy is evil. So sickness is not from God. And that's just an example that I'm using where the, where the devil comes in to deceive us by twisting things, by saying God is not really that good. He's not a loving God. You know, um, don't kid yourself. But it is God says he never came to judge the world. But he came to save us from the kingdom of darkness. So God is a good God. And I just believe that is one of the ways in which the enemy would want to kind of derail us with lies and deception. Um, another way in which the enemy will try and provoke us is through doubt and division between us and Father God, and that I already said. So I'm just going to go into that a little bit more. So we doubt that we are not good enough. Sometimes we think we're not good enough to receive the Father's love. 
Um, just coming on that point, I've chatted to someone once a long time ago. And um, so I've just chatted with her and I said to her, you know, why, why don't you, you know, commit your life to the Lord? I mean, you've got nothing to lose. And she just said to me, plan out, God will never accept me because I've done so many bad things in my life. And I want to say that is the biggest lie because coming back to what I said earlier on, God never came to judge the world, but he came to save us. So we are not judged while we're on this world or in this world. While we've got breath in us and life in us, you know, we can commit our lives to the Lord, no matter how bad we think or the things that we think we've done. God is standing there, opening up his arms, nothing. He, he knows everything about you. I just want to say that God knows everything about you. Nothing to him is a surprise. So the enemy will entice us always with feelings of guilt, fear, and shame to produce that sense of worthlessness within us. He wants us to feel worthless and messed up so that we would never think that God would ever want us or approve of us or even love us. He will do anything, the enemy, to keep us from having an intimate relationship with God or cause us to have a false perception of the nature of Christ. And that nature is God being good. And the truth is that we can't earn God's love or favor. His love is unconditional. You see, God loves us for who we are, not for what we do. And um, I also think I mentioned this last week, and and I just feel I just need to mention it again, um, because I also spoke to to someone, and we were just chatting also, and I said, you know, um, why don't you want to commit your life to the Lord, or what is the biggest thing, or the reason why? And this guy said to me, you know what, because then I'm going to have to give up a lot of the things that I love doing like partying or drinking or whatever it is. And, you know, I stood there and I said, Holy Spirit, just help me. What can I say? God, what do you want to say to this person? And the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. Tell him it's not what he does. It's who he believes in. So this might be a word for you today. God is not interested in what you are doing. He's interested if you believe in him, when you put your trust in him. And you know what? At the end of the day, when you give your life to Jesus, he does the work in you. He's never asked you to do anything. We are not slaves. We don't have to perform in order to get God's love or unconditional love. And another thing, the enemy wants to keep us ignorant of our royal identity. You know, when God created us, we were meant to be his children. We were meant to dwell with him on this earth. And because of the fall, that never happened. And, you know, we have been in a fallen world for so long. Um, and God, when he came and he died on that cross, it was to take back the authority to claim back his children. When we commit our lives to him, we belong to him. We are royalty. Um, it says you are a chosen race. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you 
out of darkness into the marvelous light. You see, God had made us from the beginning to fellowship with him. We were created for purpose. We were created to to um, you know, spend time with Him. And we are the children of the King of the Most High. And that is the one thing that the enemy wants to take from us. And that is our identity. Another way in which the enemy will, will try and keep us from God or just keep us deceived is he will use people around us to hurt us. And sometimes even the people closest to us. And, you know, sometimes I think, you know, you, you're persecuted. As Christians, sometimes we even feel like we're persecuted in our own families with the people around us. But most of our hurts and insecurities normally come from childhood. And this is also something that I found um, when, when I've done counseling in the past. You know, we have stored memories in our subconscious. Some are good, some are bad. The way we grew up, you know, we don't all come from perfect families. You know, our parents um, also raised us in their own brokenness. And, you know, broken people raising raising broken people. And even as parents, sometimes we do our very best, but sometimes we also say and do things that hurt our children and we don't even know about it. And um, sometimes even negative words spoken over our own lives through our parents or people around us, um, you know, all of that affects our lives. And sometimes we grow up with these things in adulthood and we we don't know how to deal with it. You know, sometimes we've got issues, but we don't really know where it comes from. And just to give you an example of that, um, you know, where the enemy came to steal from me many years ago. And I remember I was um, in grade, oh, probably now that was standard four or five. And um, I was on this trip. We had to do like a, you know, go out and do um you know, an outing where the school takes you to out into the beach or somewhere and you go do things. And I remember I was laughing. I was in the in the combi, in the school combi, and I was laughing so much. We were joking around and this boy was sitting across me and he was laughing. He was looking straight at me and laughing. And then I looked at him and I said, but why are you laughing? And he said, I'm laughing at you because you got such an ugly laugh. And I remember for years I never laughed loud. And um, only when I was older and I went for a counseling where Holy Spirit actually put me in remembrance of that time. And when I had to forgive him, I actually could laugh again. So that's just a typical example where the enemy uses people to say things and do things in our lives that affect us in our adult life. And sometimes we believe these lies, you know, and I always found that the enemy will always reaffirm a lie. Say someone said you were stupid and then you go into a classroom and then you can't do the math sum and then you hear this little voice saying, but just remember you stupid. And so this is how the enemy comes. He reaffirms things in our lives. And when a lie becomes part of your belief system, it causes a stronghold. So many of us have strongholds, and strongholds affect the way we think about ourselves, it affects the way we think about the world around us, and our identity becomes rooted in that lie, and we act out of those lies. You know, some of the acting out of those lies could be behavioral issues like addictions, um, sexual sin, fear, 
um, being coming an alcoholic, many of us have different things that filter through. So we act those things out without even knowing it. And the enemy keeps us enslaved to that behavior. Because when the spirit of truth comes, he guides us into all truth. When God sets us free, we are free indeed. And look at Isaiah 61 verse 1. It says, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed to qualify me to preach the gospel of the good news, to yield the brokenhearted, and to set the captive free. Now, God wants to set us free. The enemy wants to keep us enslaved, enslaved to that lie, enslaved to that addiction, enslaved to our thought patterns. Because without God, we cannot change. We cannot get out of sin. It's his righteousness. Um, there is no righteousness, but righteousness is within the Holy Spirit because it says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. So righteousness is found in the Spirit of God. Without God, we cannot be righteous. And therefore, the lies enslaves us to the kingdom of darkness, but God's heart is to set us free. So that's one strategy of the enemy. The enemy will continue to tempt us in the areas that we are weak. You know, sometimes we get to live it in an area. We stop drinking or, you know, you stop smoking or whatever it is. Even when you are in Christ and then the enemy will come in and he will always put that temptation in front of you. And um, so he sets it up. He'll always set up, set us up for destruction. Temptation is like putting out bait hoping that we'll take it in a moment of weakness. So the enemy wants to put out bait out there. He makes it look so advertising to, to do these things. And, you know, you've given it up. And I just want to say, be strong, because only with the Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit, it says the Spirit is our helper. He helps us, you know, to overcome. So the enemy is always to lure us into situations or into sin that we are trying to overcome or we have been in bondage. You know, the enemy always looks for an open door in our lives. Any gap that we, where we are weak, he will try and get illegal access of our soul. He will even use the sins of our forefathers. Now, I don't know if many of you know, but there's also generational curses. Um, and generational curses are maybe sins of our forefathers because God says that I will, it's into the, th the second and third and the fourth generation, you know, the sins of the fathers will come upon the children. So there are generational curses. And sometimes we, we are not the sinners. We are not the sinners, but our forefathers are the sinners. And um, just to give you an example of a story also that I've heard where a father was an alcoholic and um and then his son and him they they basically had a major fallout and his son moved to another state and he didn't want anything to do with his dad but his son also became an alcoholic because he is generational and the minute um the father came to a point in his life where he gave his life to Jesus and he stopped drinking and he quit completely. And then he decided to get his life sorted out. And he decided the first thing he's going to do is to phone his son. And when he phoned his son um, and to, to, you know, reconnect, his, his son said to him, you know what, Dad, I just want to tell you, about a week ago, I stopped um, drinking. 
And the father said, you know what, it was a week ago when I stopped drinking. And so the generational curses are broken. When you break something, a sin or an addiction in your life, you break it for your for the generations to come. And so the enemy will always look for doors to come in and... um you know, and then you, you just to come and tempt us in that area because he, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. I mean, in Revelations twelve ten it says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven. Now hark, now hark came, sorry, now have come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down who accuse them before God day and night. You see, God is our advocate. One of the things that God does is he intercedes for Jesus. Sorry, Jesus is our advocate. But the devil, whenever he sees us messing up, he, he's the accuser. He runs to Jesus. He says, look, look what she's done now. And so God is interceding for us all the time and constantly. Um, the enemy wants us physically and spiritually dead. So without God's spirit in our lives, we are spiritually dead because it's only because of the spirit inside of us that we have life in abundance because our bodies may die, but the spirit inside of us is for eternity. And that is why we've got eternal life. But that is another reason why the enemy doesn't want us to get saved because once the spirit of God is within us, we have eternal life. And we have got hope. As I come back to John 10, 10 again, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came so that you may have life and life in abundance. So even sickness and diseases are not from God. I just want to reinstate that again. You know, sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes, um, you know, God allows things to happen to us, but it's not from him. You know, God is a God, he's called Jehovah Rapha, the God who yields, not, and he cannot go back on his name and change it to say the God who gives sicknesses. He's Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, the God who yields. But the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we just need to remember that it's God's heart for us to live long lives and healthy lives. And just on that note, I'm going to take a short break and I'll come back um, in a few minutes again and we're going to chat about, um, yeah, we're just going to chat about why. Why does the enemy attack us? What is his strategy plan? Thanks. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, you are with Alana Olivier and this is Body Matters. And today I'm talking about a topic of the strategies of the enemy and spiritual warfare. So I've just chatted about the ways in which the enemy attacks us. Just a few examples of why or, or how the enemy wants us to, how he wants to distract us from giving our lives to Jesus and to keep us in bondage and sin. So let's just look at the why again. Why does the enemy want to take us out? Why does he want to kill, steal and destroy? And one of the reasons is, is because he does not want us to walk in our God-given authority. You know, um, as Christians, we've got authority. The spirit in us, as I said earlier on, is greater 
then he was in the world. And God had given us authority over our enemies when we speak the word of God, when we pray, when we worship. And I'll get into that later on. We are actually doing spiritual warfare. We are taking up our authority. And the second reason the enemy doesn't want us to to fulfill our purpose, why he wants us to destroy is because each one of us has got a calling and a purpose. And that purpose is the purpose of God. So in Christ, we are more powerful than the enemy, and we have authority over the principalities of evil. So many people are saved, but they don't know. Many people are saved, they don't know that they have the authority. And and that same spirit that lives in Christ, that raised the the dead, lives in us. But they are ignorant. A lot of people don't know how to take up that authority. And so later on, I'm going to talk a little bit of ways in which we can do spiritual warfare and take up that authority. And one of the ways in which we can get equipped in how to take up our authority is to read the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is like a constitution. And the constitution is not earthly constitution, it's not a country's constitution, it's the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom culture constitution. And in the Bible is ways in which we can live that will fill us, that will help us, that will benefit fit us to live a godly life. So without the knowledge of the constitution, we can't effectively exercise our authority in this world. It says in Hosea 4 verse 6, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as priests, because you ignore the law of your God. Now where is the law? The law is in the Bible. I also will ignore my children. So one way in which we can get equipped is to know the Word of God, is to abide in the Spirit. You know, when we spend time with the Holy Spirit, when we spend time with God, you know, God downloads things in our spirit. He gives us wisdom, words of knowledge. He gives us strategy. And with the Word of God and and, and just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, God is the one that leads us and He guides us. And once we are saved, the enemy, as I said, will do everything possible, you know, to prevent us from walking in our God-given purpose and calling because the mandate of all Christians is to destroy the kingdom of darkness. You know, when we become a Christian, it's not just to live a happy life. And yes, one of the things is one of God wants us to have joy um, because he says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace. Um, and that is God's heart for us. But not just that. We have a calling. We Each and one of us has a responsibility. God had given each one of us gifts. He's given us strengths, not just for our own benefit, but to benefit the kingdom of heaven. You know, the scripture that says we'll bring heaven to earth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is our main mandate is to bring heaven to earth, to bring heavenly principles. When we have the spirit inside of us, you know, we've got to, we we can't not um, proclaim the kingdom 
of God to others. We can we we can't see. We we need to get those who are sitting in darkness and bring them to the light. God says we are the light of the world, and um, so that is one of our mandates, you know, to and also to reclaim the authority that was lost in the Garden of Eden to bring God's rule and reign over this earth. So those are one of the reasons, the most powerful reasons that the enemy wants to take us out. And, you know, he starts from birth already. The minute we are conceived, as I said, the enemy knows the calling that you have on your life and he will do anything to destroy, distract you from that. But God is an amazing God. You know, God, when we call out to him, he restores. He says, I will restore what the locust has stolen. What the enemy has taken from you, God will give you back twofold. And that's an Isaiah. But come, let's look at spiritual warfare. Let's look at how can we overcome because we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. So when we look at spiritual warfare, how can we war against the attack from the enemy? So as I said, when we accept Jesus in our lives, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And I've said that many times. He dwells, the Spirit dwells within us. And that same Spirit raised the dead. Because God's Spirit raised the dead. So the Spirit in us has already overcome the enemy. And that's what we need to understand. We are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit in us, we are unable to stand against the spiritual forces of evil. You know, the enemy out there is spirit. And if we don't have the spirit in us, only spirit can fight spirit. I want to say that again. Only the spirit in us can fight against the spiritual world. And if we don't have the spirit in us, humans are incapable in our own strength to fight a spiritual war when you don't have the spirit in you. So Zechariah 4 verse 6 says it so powerfully. It says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in John 1 4 it says, and this is the one I've been repeating, greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. Because of the Holy Spirit, We have the authority. So spiritual warfare is taking up our God-given authority against the schemes and the plans of the enemy. And as I said, we live in in a physical world that is surrounded by an unseen spiritual world. And when we wage war, it's not against the natural, but against the supernatural. Again, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the power of the dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The truth is that the minute we give our lives to the Lord, we are filled with the Spirit. And I, I've said that so many times. The purpose of spiritual warfare is to destroy the kingdom of darkness and to establish God's kingdom on earth. And we need to take back the reign of Satan over the earth. Um, so Jesus himself came to earth to demonstrate to us what the kingdom of heaven was like. You know, when Jesus was here, he casted out demons, he healed the sick. He demonstrated the authority that we as humans also have over the kingdom of darkness. So in heaven, there's no sickness, no fear, no death, no sin, and no war. 
So in Romans 4.17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, as I said, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And this is what we are fighting for. We are fighting as Christians to establish heaven on earth. In Matthew 11.12, it says, And from the time John the Baptist has been preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it. Okay, so how do we do spiritual warfare? Let's get get back to ways in which we can do spiritual warfare. You know, when we share the gospel of the good news of peace and bring people to Christ, we are rescuing them from the kingdom of darkness, and we are adding to the army of God. In doing so, we are strengthening the army of God. We are winning souls for the kingdom of heaven. See, when we use our God-given gifts like healing the sick or preaching or teaching or prophesying, God has given us all gifts. And when you start using your gifts, your gifts is part of your your armor, your battle. Um, and it's there to bring deliverance to others. We are contributing or establishing heaven on earth. Our gifts may all differ, but the mandate is the same. When we pray for others, when we bind um, and rebuke the enemy, we disarm the enemy by taking up our authority. Even when we praise and worship um, is another form of spiritual warfare. You know, demons can't stand stand the presence of worship. They have to flee. And I mean, that brings me to the point of where, you know, David, where, where the king's soul was tormented by, by demons. And he got um, David into play on the harp. And once David played worship music and sang, um, only in those times, um, King Saul was at peace. Because in the presence of God, of worshiping God, um, you know, evil cannot stand in that presence. So that's why the Lord says, enter my gates with praise giving. You know, the Bible says when we pray, we actually activate the angels around us because angels heeds to the word of God. It says, bless the Lord, all his angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans listening to each of his commands. You know, so when we pray and we ask God to help us in situations, he sends his angels to help us. And that's one way that we can overcome the enemy. When we declare the word of God over our lives, when we pray according to his word, we, as I said, we set angels in motion to act upon his word. You know, so God has sent us so many um so many ways in which we can overcome the enemy. It says the enemy will even use people around us, as I said, to persecute us. But in the times when we feel like we're persecuted, this is what God says we must do in Romans 12. And just remember, it's not the people persecuting you. It's not that person. It's not your husband. It's not um, your mother-in-law. It's it's the spirit behind it. So we never wrestle against flesh and blood. We are wrestling against the principalities of evil. And this is what God says in Romans 12, 19, 21. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
give him something to drink. In doing so, you will you will um, put burning coals on his head. And it says, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, that is such a strange and um, analysis, or uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. You know, how can we do spiritual warfare? And someone says, overcome evil with good. Because that's one way in which you can just, um, you know, put the enemy on his place. The minute he thinks you're going to fall for um, for his bait, you just do something completely out of the ordinary. Instead of getting angry, you say something kind instead of, you know, um, so yeah, so overcome evil with good. Because God says we even need to treat our enemies with good we need to treat them with love and respect and it says there's a scripture somewhere else that said we even need to pray for them it says here but i say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you and do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you so when we pray for our enemies we take authority over the principality that's operating within them and through them and as i said it's not the person it's what's behind the person. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And another way in which we can arm ourselves, and these are just a few ways. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. As I said that a thousand times already today. So therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of the truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For your shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. The armor of God is our protective gear and we should clothe ourselves daily in it and continue praying in the spirit so one way of overcoming the enemies clothe yourself every morning when i take my children to school and i think i've mentioned before we pray in the car that is that is the first thing we do when we get in the car and each of each and every one of us pray and i clothe them i said god i clothe them with the armor of god lord we don't know what lies ahead today we don't know what scheme what plan the enemy has for us but we are putting on the armor today protect us against the evil one and so before before the day starts, we have put the armor of God, just as you clothe yourself in the morning, clothe yourself, because that's one way in which you can overcome the enemy. You see, we have everything inside of us. We've got the Holy Spirit to overcome the enemy. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And, you know, we've got the Holy Spirit to help us in this time. So I just want to leave you with this, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have everything inside of us to be overcomers and you know sometimes um and i just want to end off with this last um word before i go into prayer you know um god is our protector you know god is for us and he's not against us you know we can call out to god anytime we belong to a mighty god and he's all-knowing and all-powerful 
And, you know, we can call out to God any time for protection and for deliverance. Um, it says here in Proverbs 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And my favorite verse, whenever there's trouble, whenever I feel like the enemy is coming against me, and that is Psalm 91. And many of you can go read Psalm 91. And um, that's such a beautiful verse that we can speak out and proclaim that over your family, um, you know. And yeah, so we, we've got many tools in our hands for spiritual warfare. But sometimes I also think that we are our own worst enemies. You know, we are faced daily with choices regarding good and evil. And the choices we make will either be good or bad, and we need to bear the consequences thereof. You know, the enemy tempts us, but we are the one that needs to either take the action to to be tempted or not. You know, God says you always make a way for us if we are tempted. And so there will always be a way out of temptation, but we are the ones that ultimately have to make the choice. Like someone said once, I'm not scared of the devil. I'm scared of the own, my own choices that I need to make. Am I going to choose good over evil? Am I going to fall into temptation? Because at the end of the day, we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And in Deuteronomy, I want to end off with this last scripture in Deuteronomy 30, 19, that says... I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And that just connects again to those gener um, generational curses. Whatever you break off over your life, every temptation, every sin that you repent of, that you close the door to the enemy, whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol abuse, whatever, whether it's temptation, whether it's lust in any which way, you know, the minute you as a parent break it off over your life, you set your children free. And I just want to emphasize that because sometimes they're going to struggle with things in their lives, but it's not due to their own sin, it's generational sin. And, and we as Christians have the power and the authority to break it off and to choose life. It says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. That's Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. But I want to end off with that today, with that. And I just want to pray for you out there. Um, for any listener out there, you know, we are always in a battle. You know, we're always in a battle between good and evil. We always have choices to make. But, you know, without the Holy Spirit, without asking God to help us, you know, we are powerless um, um, without the Spirit in us. But we do have the authority in Christ to overcome everything in our lives. So, Father, I just want to thank you for every listener out there who's hearing my voice, I just pray that you will supernaturally touch them. I pray that you will strengthen them, Father, wherever they are, whatever they are going through, that your spirit in them is greater than he was in the world, that we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that they will call out to you. Lord, that you will fill them again afresh and anew with, with your spirit. Father, that it will stand against the enemy, Father, that they will resist the devil. And um, your word says, resist the devil and you will flee, that they will be able to stand up, Father, 
God, give them the desire to stand up and do what's right, Father. Give them that desire to come back to you, Father, to draw near to you so that they may have the strength to overcome, Father. Lord, so I pray for every listener out there. I want to break with every form of addiction, Father, over their lives. Any form of drug addiction, Father, alcohol addiction, any any scheme and plan that the enemy has, every lie over their lives, Father. I pray that you will break it off over their lives, Father God, that you'll supernaturally touch them, Father, and that you will set them free from bondage, Lord because you came to set the captives free. Father, I speak life and freedom. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you that the work you've started in each and every person, you will bring to completion. They don't have to work to earn it, Father. Thank you. It's by your strength, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit that we that we are overcomers. So, Father, I pray for the for the listeners out there that they will have put a desire in their hearts to draw near to you. Set them free, Daddy. Set them free in every area of their lives. In Jesus' name. So yes, unfortunately, it's the end of my program. I hope that this word has really blessed you and maybe given you just some insight of, you know, how to do a bit of spiritual warfare and just to remind you how powerful you are in Christ Jesus. So thank you for joining me. I trust that we'll meet again next Saturday, the same time from me, Alana Willyfield. Um, Have a blessed week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.